All right, all right, all right. Man, y'all could go ahead and have a seat. Man, let me get us started by asking the question, are you having a good morning so far? All right, man, what a way to start the service, right? Do you agree? If you agree, say amen. amen. Wow, man, it is good to be able to be here this morning, and it's a blessing to be able to be standing on this stage on behalf of our pastor, Matt, while he's out of town. And today we are going to be jumping right back into the second week of this Advent series, all right? Like we heard last week with the reading and again today, man, we are blessed. People long before us, they were awaiting the Advent, his first coming. And then we as believers, we are still awaiting, but we're awaiting his second coming. And so what a great season to be able to reflect on God's word. And last week we were reminded that as believers, we have hope, all right? Man, I want you to look to your neighbor and just kind of elbow them and tell them that. Say, we have hope. Now do it to the person on the other side too. Wake them up. Say, we have hope. In fact, men, all throughout history, God has never left his people hopeless. So we rejoice that we have hope no matter what our circumstances are. Man, if we believe in Christ, we have hope. And not only do we have hope, but this morning, man, I want all of us to hopefully be reminded that you are loved, all right? So look to the person next to you and tell them you are loved, all right? I see some of y'all, man, I'm asking you to do it. And you're looking at me like, I'm not going to tell this person. Some of you, it's your spouse. You better tell them, all right? Say, you are loved, all right? Let me say it a little bit louder in case you didn't hear me. You are loved, all right? I'm going to repeat it one more time for the people in the back of the room. You are loved. LG, I'm talking about you, all right? And so here's the thing. Check this out. You are loved, all right? Sometimes we forget that. So one last exercise, I want you to kind of pat yourself on the chest and tell yourself, all right? You are loved, all right? Go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. So here's the thing. Man, I don't know how many of y'all watch the news, but goodness, just watch the news for five minutes and you'll know that what the world needs now is that love, sweet love, right? And the love that I'm talking about is a love like no other. I'm not talking about the type of love where you hold a purple dinosaur's hand and you say, I love you and you love me and we are a happy family, all right? That's not the kind of love I'm talking about, all right? Man, the type of love that I'm talking about, man, is less talk and more walk. All right? Men, the type of love that I'm talking about is an active love, a love that our lost friends and our lost family members need so desperately because the love that I'm talking about is a life-changing love, a life-changing love. And so you are loved. I want y'all to leave here knowing that. Now, notice I didn't say you are light. All right? See, there's a difference Man, sometimes we throw these words around like they're interchangeable, and they're not. Man, we're saying that we love things that we really like, and I'm not here to say that you are liked. I'm here to say that you are loved because there's a huge difference between like and love. And if you don't realize, let me try to break it down for you, all right? Nobody just likes you with all their heart, all right? That didn't work like that, all right? Man, you don't see people acting all likey-dovey, all right? Y'all feel me? Men, have you ever been in a like-hate relationship? I have with leftover Mexican food, and it's no fun, all right? Man, peace, like, and happiness? That sounds miserable to me, all right? 
head over heels and like, that reminds me of a yoga position called downward facing, shut your mouth, all right? <laughs> Man, you're a liker, not a fighter? Well, hello, wimp, all right? Man, if anyone shows you tough like, then show them a cheese and knuckle sandwich, but hold the cheese, all right? Like in marriage, more like lawyers and prenups, all right? Like does not conquer all. I mean, you don't hear much about like at first sight. When was the last time that you fell in like? That sounds kind of painful. You know, might twist the ankle or something doing that, all right? Man, like it or leave it, I'm going to leave it. Like it or hate it, I'm going to hate it. If like is the answer, then the question was probably silly to begin with, all right? Man, like and loved are totally different. So do you get what I'm saying? I'm not here to say that you're liked. Man, I'm here to tell you that you are love. And my prayer for today is that over the next couple minutes, man, you'll understand the love that our Heavenly Father has poured out on us in such a lavish way. So if you have your Bible with you today, I want you to go ahead and open up to the book of Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 26 through 38. And if you don't have a Bible, man, there's one located directly in front of you in the back of the pew. All right. So go ahead and grab that and not only use it so you can follow along, but take it home as a gift from our church to you. All right. And if you're brand new at using one, man, we got your back because there's a table of contents in the front that will tell you how to find the book of Luke, which is over on the right side of the Bible. Not that there's a wrong side, but over in the New Testament side. And please be reminded that the big numbers are the chapters, the small numbers are the verses, all right? So again, go ahead and turn, tap, or scroll your way to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 38 today. So join me in praying these three things. Number one, let's pray that God would speak to us today. Number two, let's pray that we would hear what he has to say. And then number three, join me in praying that as he speaks and we listen, that truth will set us free and change our lives forever, right? Join me in praying those three things. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to be here today. God, I know that we're trying to be in silly and we're talking about that there's a difference between like and love, but I'm so glad that you didn't just come here to like us, but you came here to love us. And you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. God, we are so grateful for that. And so, God, today, man, we want to ask you three things. We want to ask that you would speak loud and clearly. God, I don't know how we got to church today, but we got here. Some of us rode with somebody because we had to. Some of us came because we wanted to. Some of us could not wait to get here because we have hurts and we need to give them over to you. And God, man, some of us just showed up because it's a tradition. Whatever the case is, God, you got us here. So please speak loud and clear to us. And number two, God, we ask that you would please, please let us hear what your spirit has to say. God, we don't want to ask that we be here and you speak and we just leave here and have missed your truth proclaimed. So, God, we pray that you would speak loud and clear, and, God, you would give us the ears to be able to hear. And then, God, we pray, thirdly, that that truth would set us free. God, that we would be changed. God, that we would leave here differently than the way we came in. God, I'm not talking about a door. God, I'm talking about our hearts. 
God, I'm talking about that we would leave here and we would treat our friends differently. God, that we would leave here and that we would treat our family differently. God, that we would leave here and we would treat our coworkers differently, not because of anything that we can do, but because of what you are doing through us. God, we ask all this in your precious name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, this morning, you know, we get to pick up right where Matt left off last week. And last week, if you remember, or if you were here, and if you weren't, let me catch you up. We unpacked the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist. And so today, we're going to pick up right where we left off. And we're going to be talking about the foretelling of the birth of Jesus Christ. And, man, there's no doubt in my mind that you could search every library that you could come across. Here in the state of Texas, that's a big state. Here in the United States, that's a lot of libraries. And all over the world that we live in, and you will not find a better love story. You will not find one as beautiful as the incarnation of Christ. Men, it's by far the most beautiful story that's ever been conceived and that has ever been told. Man, it's so beautiful because it's fixed in truth and reality. And so I want to tell y'all that what we talk about today is not a Disney fairy tale. Man, it's fixed in history. Man, it actually took place with real people. And not only did it take place, but lives are changed because of it. And so for this young girl named Mary, it began with the Annunciation, the announcement of Christ. So I want us to look at the text, and we'll start in these verses, all right? Luke chapter 1, let's look at verses 26 and 27. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so let's try to unpack this. Man, it starts off by saying in the sixth month, all right? Man, immediately some of us might think, okay, January, February, March, April, May, June. All right, so like halfway through the year, and that's not what it's talking about. Remember what we just learned about last week. We learned about the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist, right? And so Elizabeth, who was old in age, and Zechariah, who was old in age, were told that they were finally going to have a son. And she is six months along in this process, all right? And so six months had gone by in Elizabeth's pregnancy. And now the text is relocating us from the city of Jerusalem. And it's taking us up north to a region of Galilee, to a city called Nazareth. And I don't know if you know anything about Nazareth, but basically it's kind of like a, a location plot twist because we just switched from the religious capital of the country to a small backwater, no good town with a really bad reputation. Man, y'all know that the Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 46, it was said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And we know the answer to that. But back then, man, it was really looked down upon. It was frowned upon. It was, it was a bad place. It was, a, it, it, was, it, it was no man's land, all right? And so we're told right here in these verses, when we skip down to verse 27, that this is a young woman. Her name is Mary, and she's a virgin who was betrothed to Joseph, a descendant of the king of David. Now, I know things look a lot different today than they did back then. And this whole engagement, maybe your translation says engagement, maybe your translation says betrothed, man, it is different than how things play out today, all right? 
But to be engaged in those days and then the next step to being betrothed was stronger than it is in our day to day. In fact, man, once you entered into this phase, you could not break out of this portion, this agreement, unless you either died or somebody uh, was filing for divorce because of sexual immorality. And these two, Mary and Joseph, they were not cohabitating. They have not been with one another. Yet they were engaged, they were now betrothed, and it was very serious, their relationship. And so this is way different than the account that was unpacked last week, right? When we talk about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, man, they're old in their age. Now, old, isn't that a relative term? You know, every day I kind of feel like that's more relative than it was way back in the day, all right? And so my son likes to say, you know, way back in the day, Dad, and his way back in the day doesn't go very far, all right? Man, my way back in the day might not go back as far as some of y'all, all right? Old, you know, my daughter likes to remind us that the two people sitting across the table from her, the only ones not her brother, are extremely old. And we have to remind her, no, 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 no. We have a long and a lot more life to live, all right? But we understand that last week, it was not relative. Like Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're very old. And they're coming on the end of their lives. But Mary and Joseph, man, they were just beginning theirs. And so what God does in this world has nothing to do with how old you are. Let me say this one more time because it's Family Sunday. What God does in this world has nothing to do with how old you are. So if you're one of the younger ones in this crowd that are typically upstairs worshiping with Miss Denise, it doesn't matter you're not too young for God to use you, all right? And it doesn't matter if you found yourself last Thursday at the Kingdom Workers Luncheon or you said, I'm not going to that because I'm not old enough to go eat lunch there, all right? It doesn't matter because God can still use you. Man, what God does in this world has nothing to do with our ages. And let me just tell you about this because I hear a lot of people talk ill of this hometown. And I know that whenever I was in high school, man, the conversation with a lot of people was, man, how quick can we get out of this town? But let me tell you something. Man, what God does in this world doesn't matter where you come from. Man, what God is about to do in your life doesn't matter what town you grew up in, even if it's got a bad reputation. Man, God uses whomever he wills, all right? And so my challenge to y'all, no matter how young or how old or no matter where you came from or where you find yourself right now, be ready to be used by God. Man, as we keep on trying to unpack this scripture, man, I want to show y'all what it says in verse 28 and 29. It says, and he came to her and he said, greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Man, I can't even imagine what this was like. Because let me just tell you a little bit about my life. If you catch me by myself at my house, especially if it's already dark outside, and right now we know that happens at 4.30 in the afternoon, right? 
man, if I just hear what I think is a door opening, boy, you better not be close because you might catch one of these, all right? Man, but on the opposite side, I do like to hide around the corner and scare everybody now and then. I know it's hypocritical, all right? I know it's hypocritical, all right? But here's the thing. I can't imagine what Mary must have felt like being at home, doing what she was supposed to be doing. And then she gets this greeting by the angel Gabriel. And this is so cool because in verse 28, we understand that Gabriel meets Mary with this greeting of grace. He says, hello, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Wow, man, there's a lot going on there, and there's a lot that we can unpack. But God is smiling on this young girl, this unknown girl from a no-name town that some didn't know about, and the ones that knew about, they didn't like that they knew about it, all right? And we might be tempted to think about last week's foretelling and think, man, Zechariah, he was chosen because he's a righteous priest. That makes sense. But here's what's cool. The angel's greeting to Mary reveals that she is chosen solely as a matter of God's grace. Isn't it amazing how God does what he does the way that he does it? Man, Mary doesn't understand the angel's greeting. So check this out. In verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the saying. And so, man, she couldn't figure it out. And she was trying to figure out what type of greeting this actually was. See, she understood the word. And she understood the prophecies. Do y'all get into the word? Are you a student of God's word? Mary was. And she was thinking, how could she? an unknown young woman be described this way by God. And so I don't know, church family, have you ever felt like your life is too small for God to notice you? Men, have you ever felt like your life, the one you live, maybe the job you have is too insignificant for God to be even aware of you? Man, I used to think like that when I played football because there was a whole lot of people on my football team that got out on the field and then I was a portion of the team that just stood next to the field. You know what I'm saying? Like cheering on all those other guys, right? I'm a good, I'm a good person. I'm a coachable person. And, and besides, I always told myself they wouldn't be that good if they didn't have a practice dummy to go up against, all right? And so there was one time that I made the comment, man, I bet my coach doesn't even know my name. Well, I said it before a game when we were supposed to be really quiet and the lights were out and our coach had given us, you know, the job to like not say a word and just rest. And as soon as I uttered that, I thought it was quiet, but I only know one volume, so it's louder than I thought. And man, my head coach called me by my last name. And two things, two feelings ran through my body. Number one, oh my gosh, I'm scared to death. And number two, praise the Lord, my coach knows my name, all right? But here's the thing. Man, I don't know if you've ever felt too insignificant to be noticed by God. But maybe that's how Mary felt. But just as with Zechariah, the angel then explains, this is why I'm here. So let us look at the next couple of verses, starting in verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give you to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over his house of Jacob forever. 
and his kingdom there will be no end. Man, it is so cool because not only will Zechariah and Elizabeth give birth to the promised forerunner, but Mary, explained by Gabriel, will be giving birth to the promised Savior. And so not only is this a story about how love, but this is that life-changing love that I was talking about. Because when you unpack what Gabriel just shared, Gabriel promises that Mary, though a virgin, will also conceive. He also explained that she should name this child Jesus because according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, we understand that this name implies that he will save the people from their sins. And then also we understand from this greeting from Gabriel that Mary's own son will actually be the son of the Most High. See, the fact that Elizabeth was even able to bear a child was a miracle because of her age. But this right here is a miracle on a different level because she was a virgin. Man, this is more than any human could have ever imagined or dreamed of. And the last thing that I think we can glean from this portion of the scripture is that the son will fulfill the promise made to King David 100 years ago in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And so this will be David's son that rules over Israel and there will be no end to his kingdom. It will be everlasting. And so this is wild, man. This is crazy to unpack. And so, man, this is what Gabriel says. So look at the next verse in verse 34, because this is Mary's response. It says, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And I want to park here just for a second, because this right here, when we plow through the text, we might say to ourselves, man, this sounds like Zechariah, when he questioned what Gabriel was telling. And we understand what happened to Zechariah when he questioned that. Man, you know, he lost his voice. He was unable to speak. But here's the thing. Man, Mary sounds like that, but apparently there's no unbelief in her question because she's not asking, can he actually do this? But she's saying, God, how will you do this? And so it's important to note that her question builds on faith and not unbelief like Zechariah. And so this is why Gabriel does not rebuke Mary in this situation. And then we see Gabriel's explanation in the next couple verses, verses 35 through 37. It says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy to the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Who? Let me read that last verse one more time. For nothing will be impossible with God. Man, as we unpack this, just in these three verses, there's so much going on right here. So you have this young girl, unknown, living in a no-name city. And God, through Gabriel, comes and reveals two of the biggest mysteries in the universe. Number one, the incarnation. But also, two, don't miss that he unpacks the Trinity in verse 35. And so in that verse, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. 
in that verse, man, the historian Luke, the apostle Luke, he refers to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each having a part. Man, but it's God the Son who will take on himself human flesh in the humanity of a baby. Man, that is so wild. Because when God says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, don't get that twisted. Like, come upon, it brings mind to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep in the creation. I mean, it's what Jesus quoted in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, as he was coming into the world. And he said, you did not desire sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. So check this out. This is crazy. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God the Father, a body was prepared for God the Son who would be brought forth by Mary. Boom. That is mind-blowing right there. One theologian, he puts it this way, because Christ is fully God and fully man, he is the perfect Savior. Can I get an amen for that, right? Man, he needed to be God to supply the righteousness humans could not achieve. He needed to be man to supply to God the sacrifice that we owed. So he became the only mediator between God and man, the God-man, Christ Jesus. He's the only way for men to come to God, right? And so we don't have to stumble at Jesus' deity and humanity. Man, Gabriel, he assures Mary and he assures us nothing is impossible with God. Man, nothing will be impossible with God. And so, man, the moment that you admit the existence of God, man, you can't deny the impossibility. But with God, it's nothing for an older person to have a baby. It's nothing for somebody who is a virgin to conceive. And so, man, God is able to do those things. And then the last thing that we want to touch on is Mary's response. And listen to this. For somebody that's so young, man, said to be anywhere between 12 to 15 years old, if she was here at our church, she would be in the rich student ministry, all right? And this is her response. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Man, that is so cool. Especially when you, uh, you know, contrast Mary's response to Zechariah's response, right? See, Zechariah, he stumbled in unbelief. Man, I don't know, can he even do this? But Mary, man, she yields in faith. And she sounds a lot like Isaiah, right? Uh, Here am I, send me Lord, back in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And she sounds a lot like Esther saying, if I perish, then I perish in Esther chapter 4. And I think she sounds a lot like Ruth when Ruth is saying to Naomi, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And it brings to mind even Job's statement, even if he kills me, I will hope in him. And it reminds me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Man, we can learn a lot from Mary's response because this is how faithful people respond to God's plan. Even when they don't understand it, this is a blueprint of how we can follow through in steps of faith. And the only way a person can genuinely say what Mary says is to believe that God's plan is better than their own plan. 
And see, I think that's where we fail so many times. That's where we trip up and that's where we struggle because, wow, this sounds like way out of the box. So there's no way that this could take place. And so I'm just going to do me because my plan will succeed. And so there's three things that I want to close with real quick. And so if you want to write them down, these are the three takeaways from today's scripture. Number one, man, I want us to remember that God came to show grace to sinners. Man, why is this a love story? Why is this a, a story that, of this love that is so life-changing? Because God came to show grace to sinners. See, that's great news because we are all sinners. Man, I don't know if you feel the lowliness of sin in your life during this Christmas season. But, man, when we pastor a church, we understand that we have people in this church that are battling alcoholism. Man, we understand that we have people battling lust. We have people that are battling adultery. We have people who have lost loved ones. Man, you're, you're dreading the holidays because repeatedly you'll be reminded of the people that you just lost. Man, we have people who are feeling the financial pinch in a real way, unemployed or underemployed at this time. Man, we have people with broken marriages. We have people with broken families. Man, we have people with strained relationships and burnt relational bridges. Perhaps it's still the fear of anxiety of just getting sick of the unknown that's lurking out there. But yet the brokenness in the deep darkness of our world is not too great for our God. Let me repeat that, all right? The brokenness in the deep darkness of our world is not too great for our God that we serve. See, God came into a broken world to mend it. I mean, he came into a world of deep darkness to shine light in a bright way. So don't stay where you are, church family, if that's your struggle, but come to the cross of Christ where he has displayed his all-sufficient and his unmerited grace to sinners. And that's why we rejoice in Advent, because Advent is where we confess that Christ has come and Christ will come again. The second thing I want us to know is this right here. Remember that the Messiah has come. See, this was the foretelling of the birth of Christ. She's going to name him Jesus because he's going to save the people of their sins. Church family, we need to understand that this love story is so great because the Messiah has come. Man, Romans chapter 8, it tells us that creation was subjected to futility and is in bondage to corruption, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And so here's the thing. The last couple of years, man, they've been crazy. Years like no other. Years that none of us have ever experienced, all right? And so not only have they given us a glimpse of this futility, but man, one thing that it's done is we've gotten a glimpse of the pervasive brokenness of our world. Man, whether you believe we're in a pandemic or not, man, it doesn't take long to understand that our world is perverse and our world is crooked and our world is dark and our world is depraved and our world is broken, just like it says in Philippians 2, 14, 15, and 16. 
But the current global pandemic has also, man, brought about the quickened death of many people. Maybe you've been affected by this personally. I know that we've, we've had loss in our family. But there's something so much more deadly at work. And I want to tell you all about this. Man, ever since Genesis chapter 3, we've been battling an even greater pandemic. And the death rate on what I'm talking about is 100%. Chapter 3 of Genesis unpacks the fall of mankind. And so I want to let you know that what I'm talking about destroys lives, relationships, families, and individuals, and nobody is asymptomatic. Everybody is afflicted. And so here's the thing. The pandemic that I'm talking about is sin. But the good news is that God has come to bring the vaccine of our sin-sick world, and his name is Jesus Christ. God has come to bring Jesus Christ, and so his name is the name that will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, like it was spoken in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Advent is here, and we confess that Christ has come and Christ will come again. And the last thing is this right here. Remember that nothing is impossible with God. Did y'all catch what Gabriel said at the very end of his conversation with Mary? Nothing is impossible for God. Man, Luke 18, 27 says it this way. What is impossible with man is possible for God. Man, that is what the Advent is all about. The impossible coming to pass. And there's this good news, a great joy for all people. So what is this good news that we're talking about? Man, this good news that was formerly impossible is the forgiveness of our sins. Man, it's the salvation. It's sinners made righteous and restoring broken lives in, in, in a sin-filled world. And so it was completely impossible, but God changed the narrative. And with God, the impossible is made possible. Church family, I mean, I want you to think about this. Is there anything in your life right now that seems impossible? Is it impossible for you to be happy? Men, is it impossible for your family to be restored at this moment? Is it impossible for you to have your financial needs met? Is it impossible to experience joy after the loss of a loved one? Is it impossible to experience physical wholeness again? Man, no matter where you find yourself, let Advent be a reminder that nothing is impossible with God. Why do we say that? Because Christ has come and Christ will come again. And let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, man, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that are represented here in this room and all across wherever they can stream this service. God, I pray that we would take advantage of the reminder that you've given us through this story This love story, this story that is life-changing, that nothing is impossible with you. So, God, no matter where we find ourselves, if we find ourselves in a struggle, 
of sin. God, if we find ourselves in a struggle of depression, God, if we find ourselves in the midst of anxiety, God, if we find ourselves, man, and we can't even pay the bills, God, no matter where we find ourselves, let us be reminded that you have not left us hopeless. We have hope in you. And God, you give us this love that is life-changing, even when our circumstances seem impossible. God, you blow that away. God, let us never forget that life-changing love. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen.